Well, welcome back to another episode of the Craig Groeschel Leadership Podcast. I want to say a big thank you to those of you who helped spread the word as we released this last month. It was exciting that we actually were ranked there for a few days, uh, number one on uh, religion and spirituality. And so thank you for your help in getting the word out. It's exciting to me because everyone wins when the leader gets better. Uh, if this is helpful to you, and if you don't mind sharing on social media or telling people, uh, bringing other leaders in that you work with, that would mean a lot to me. Uh, we're going to make an investment in each other, and we're all going to get better. Uh, here's what's going to happen. At the end of the session today, I'm going to offer some questions for you to reflect on yourself, and you can also go through this with your team if you listen in groups. I think that would be helpful. Um, and at the end of the session, we'll do that. Speaking of questions, if you have any questions, you're welcome to email me at leadership at life.church, leadership at life.church. We got so many questions last month. I was excited about them, some really good ones. And so we'll start off this session by tackling a few of the questions, and then we'll get into some direct teaching. Um, Tia Wharton asked this question. Tia asked, what are two ways you can really maximize your margin time? I've seen my margin time decrease some in the last four months. Any pointers? Uh, first of all, I think it's a great question. It's wise of you, Tia, just to recognize that your margin time uh, is decreasing. And what I want to do is really broaden your question and devote the majority of this time answering your question. I'll give you some thoughts now, and then we'll talk about this in the whole podcast and talk about managing our time, because I think that's such an important quality that great leaders have is good time management. Um, the reason this question is important is because your best ideas happen in margin time. When you're rushed, when you're trying to do the next thing and everything's urgent, 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 you don't have time to reflect, you don't have time to dream, you don't have time to think big. The best ideas come when you have margin. So we want to guard our margin at all costs. I'm going to talk more about how to do this in the rest of the episode, but just for fun, Tia, I'm going to give you some of my really weird time-saving tips. I'm going to warn you, these are weird. A lot of people think they're kind of goofy. Maybe they are but I'm going to give them to you anyway. Here's five of them. Number one, try to have the impromptu meetings in someone else's office. Hey, Craig, can we get together to talk about whatever? Sure we can. I'll come to your office. Why do I do that? Because if you're in my office, it's hard to get you to leave. Kind of weird, but it works. If I go to your office, as soon as I'm done, I can walk out. Have impromptu meetings in other people's offices. Number two, don't go out for lunch unless you want to. If you've got a lot of time and you want to go out for lunch, go out for lunch. If time is really valuable to you and you don't have a lot, don't go out to lunch. Bring your lunch from home. Have someone deliver it. If you've got someone on your team who can pick it up for you, do that. Uh, I quite honestly probably maybe go out to two lunches a year, and that's about it. If someone wants to have lunch with me, we just do it in my office. That saves to me an estimated about three hours a week because I don't have to travel there, spend a whole hour eating there, travel back, all that kind of stuff. Three hours a week times 50 weeks or so, it's 150 hours a year. Divide that by the eight-hour workday. I have about 19 extra workdays, 19 extra eight-hour workdays simply by not going to lunch. Told you it was weird, but that's the way I think. Uh, number three, limit the length of your appointments. When someone says, hey, can I meet with you? You say, sure. Okay, then you're probably going to have an hour appointment. Uh, you can cover most everything in 30 minutes, certainly 45 minutes. Uh, so if time is really, really valuable to you, just say, hey, I've got 30 minutes or 45 minutes. Tell them up front 
how long you have. And then I often like to kind of book in my appointments, meaning if I've got one, I put another one, I stack them. So my assistant can come in and say, hey, the 30 minutes is up, you've got someone else. And you tell them up front, you're real honest and nice about it, but this is a way to save some time. Number four, don't take calls or texts during the day. Group that type of communication. Uh, when someone texts you, you stop, you look at it, it breaks your momentum. Number five, reduce meeting times and frequencies. In other words, if you're meeting every single week for two hours, try to cut the meeting time in half, meet for one hour. You might be even more efficient. If you're meeting every single week, you might say, hey, what if we meet every other week? And then it forces you to plan ahead. Those are some crazy thoughts, maybe a little bit weird, but they work for me. Zach uh, Verbracken asked this, if you could only do three things as the lead pastor of Life Church, what three things would you do? I don't know if my answer is right or not, but I just want to highlight that question because that's a question every leader should ask. If you could only do three things, what are those three things? In fact, that really ties into what we're talking about today, investing our time in the places that matter most. I would answer the question this way. I would preach, I would create and guard the culture, and I would identify, equip, and empower leaders. I would preach, create and guard the culture, identify, equip, and empower leaders. And quite honestly, that's probably about 90% of what I spend my time doing would be those three things. Matt Stalbum asked this, what is the best advice you've ever received in terms of leading when you are not in charge? I'm going to spend a whole podcast dealing with that question. It's really important. One more. Matt Hayes asked this. He said, I would love to hear your thoughts on what he called and others called the cult of personality. How do you spot that type of leadership and how do you avoid it? Um, good question, Matt. Just because a person has a great following doesn't mean that they are um, they have a cult of personality. It might, might just mean they're a good leader. The questions I want to see would be this. Does the leader lead to himself or herself, or do they lead to the organization? What does that mean? We've had leaders, uh, let's say we have 24 churches as of now, and I've had people who have led some of these churches at times, they lead toward themselves. In other words, they're like, they're leading toward their vision, not toward the corporate vision. They're leading toward what benefits them, not leading toward the organization. So I'm gonna look and see, is a person leading toward themselves or are they leading toward the organization? Um, and there's a difference between personal ambition and organizational drive. There's a big difference. There's a difference between personal ambition and organizational drive. I want team members with deep organizational drive, meaning we're pushing it, uh, we're trying to do our best. I want to avoid those with personal ambition. Those are two different things. I want someone who puts the organization above themselves. Uh, we'll tackle questions uh, most of the time on these podcasts. If you have any more, you can email me at leadershipatlife.church. Let's dive into today's teaching. I'm calling it, It's About Time. It's About Time. I want to talk about time management. We have the question about margin. Let's talk about time. This is an obvious question, but I'm going to ask it. What is your most valuable, non-replenishable resource? The answer is, ding, 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 time, right? You can always make more money, but you cannot make more time. Here's a key thought. If you want to have a strong marriage, raise strong and grounded children, and lead a growing God-honoring organization, you must learn to manage your time wisely. Let me say it again. If you want to have an awesome marriage, raise strong and grounded children, and lead a God-honoring, growing organization, you must learn to manage your time wisely. This is one of life's most important skills. The problem is people don't teach this generally. You don't learn, learn this in college or in grad school. Parents rarely, rarely model it, and so it can be real tough to learn how to do this. 
What is the result of poor time management? Well, the result of poor time management is well-intentioned leaders who consistently allow the urgent to overwhelm the important. Let me say that again. The result of poor time management is well-intentioned leaders who consistently allow the urgent to overwhelm the important. Chances are you know someone like this. Chances are you may be someone like this. There's so many things to do. I've got to do this, do this, do this, do this. There are important things, but we can't get to the important things because the urgent things overrule the important things. And as long as the urgent overrules the important, we will never be effective as leaders. That's why the best leaders don't just work in their business. The best leaders work on their businesses. We don't just work in it. We take a step back. The best ideas come in the margin time. We take a step back. We work on things. We're not going to allow the urgent to overwhelm the important. So how do we do that? I want to talk about four principles of great time management. Four principles of great time management. We'll cover two in this session, and then we'll cover two in the next session. Number one, I want to encourage you, beg you, and plead with you to schedule your values to schedule your values, to put on your calendar, to put on your plans, to to prioritize what is most important to you and do those things first. Wise time management does not mean that you do more, but it means you do more of what matters most. Again, I'm going to repeat some things because I want you to internalize these. Wise time management doesn't mean that you do more. It means you do more of what matters most. Here's the bottom line. If you're consistently frustrated, It's very likely you're doing more of what doesn't matter to you and less of what you're doing. You're doing more of what doesn't matter and doing less of the things that really do matter. You might say, well, family is important to me, but you're being overwhelmed with work. You might say, I wish I had time to read, uh, but you're overwhelmed with other things. You might say, I wish I could be in a small group or go on dates or have more time with my kids or whatever. If the things that you value are not getting done, you're going to feel very, very frustrated. In fact, I'll say it this way. The difference between the values you embrace and the life you live equals the frustration you experience. I want to do such and such. I don't get to do such and such. Therefore, I am miserable. We want our values to align with our priorities. So we're going to schedule our values. Now, what some of you might say is, well, I don't have enough time. And what I'm going to say respectfully is that is a cop-out and an excuse. We all have time to do what we choose to have time to do, period. You're in control. You make the choices. If you've got a job that's too much, you can always change jobs. It's an excuse to say, I don't have time to do what's most important. And chances are, there are a lot of you, you're doing a lot of things you don't have to do. Who knows how much time you spend scrolling through Instagram, looking at people on Facebook, whatever you do, watching TV, listening to music. You have time for what you choose to have time for. So we're going to schedule our values and we're going to determine what are the non-negotiables. The non-negotiables go on the calendar first. For me, I have some non-negotiables. Message preparation for me is non-negotiable because I speak every weekend. And so the first part of my week is devoted toward message preparation. In other words, I don't have meetings. No one gets to me because that is a non-negotiable. Until the message is done, I'm not available to other people. It's a non-negotiable. It goes on the calendar first. Leadership development for me is a non-negotiable. I've got to set aside time to work with my team, to work with my leaders, because if I don't do that, the organization does not get better. It's a non-negotiable. It goes on the calendar. Uh, this is going to sound weird to you, but my workouts are a non-negotiable. 
That's right. I leave the office at the same time every single day, and I go to work out. Because for me, that's where I unwind. That's where my mind kind of turns off. That's where I, my, my body feels better. I sleep better at night. It is a non-negotiable. It, it helps me be better at work by going to work out. Family time in the evenings is a non-negotiable. Therefore, I don't do board meetings in the evenings. I take very few evening meetings because family time for me in the evenings is a non-negotiable. So those are my non-negotiables. Those go on the calendar first, and then I'm going to plan around those things. If you do not put your non-negotiables on the calendar first, you will end up planning your life um, so busy that you don't get to the things that really matter to you most. Uh, the Pareto Principle, you know what this is. Uh, 20% of what you do accounts for 80% of the value. 20% of what you do accounts for 80% of the value. That's why you want to invest your best in what matters most. Invest your best in what matters most. We're going to schedule values. Number two, we're going to say no to many small things to say yes to a few big things. We're going to say no to many small things to say yes to a few big things. Now, for most leaders, the barrier to a meaningful life is not a lack of commitment. You're driven. It's not a lack of commitment, but for most leaders, it's overcommitment. Let me say that again because this is going to hit some of you. The barrier to a meaningful life for most leaders is not a lack of commitment, but overcommitment. You're doing too much. In fact, I heard a preacher say one time, if the devil can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. Okay, I can't say it quite like he did, but you get the point. The devil can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. Busy, busy, busy. In fact, if you ask people, how are you doing nowadays? Almost everybody, busy, how are you doing? Busy, how are you? Busy, 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 busy. Listen, busyness does not necessarily equal importance, productivity, or a meaningful life. Just because you're busy doesn't mean you're doing the right things. So if you're leading a startup business, if you've got an ongoing business, if you're leading a nonprofit, a student ministry, whatever, you're going to have a lot of ideas. Just because you have a good idea does not mean it's the right idea. The question we want to ask is not, can we do this? The question we want to ask is, should we do this? Not can we do this, but should we do this? Just because we could do something does not mean that we should do something. In fact, I'll recommend books to you occasionally, a couple of good books on this subject. Um, Lisa Turkhurst wrote a book called The Best Yes, really good. Andy Stanley wrote a book called The Best Question Ever, and he asked the question, is it wise? I love the way he phrases this. Uh, basically, he says, in light of blank, and then you have to fill in the blank, in light of blank, is this wise? It might go like this. In light of the current needs of my family, is this wise? In light of the type of person that I want to become, is this wise? In, type, in, in light of the type of marriage that I want, is doing this wise? In light of the vision that we have for our organization, is this wise? Just because we could do something doesn't mean that we should do something. Now, if you don't know anything about me, I'm actually a pastor of a group of churches. We have 24 churches in seven different states, and we're able to do some things that other churches have not been able to do. We say it this way, to reach people no one's reaching, you have to do things that no one's doing. Okay, so we created a Bible app, reached 210 million people as of now. That's something no one else had done uh, before we did that. How can we do that? Well, to do things no one's doing, we have to not do what everybody else is doing. Let me say that again. To do things that no one else is doing, we can't do what everybody else is doing. So, 
For about seven years, our church only did five things. Very, very focused. We did weekend worship services. We did small group ministry. We did kids ministry. We did student ministry. And we did missions, okay? You say, what about men's ministry? Nope. Women's ministry? Nope. Vacation Bible school? Nope. Softball team? Nope. Uh, retreats? Nope. Uh, Christmas pageants? Nope. Camels walking across the stage during service? Nope. We didn't do these things, okay? What we did was five things, very, very focused. And because we did a few things, we could do them really, really well. We were trying to do the things that we believed had the highest spiritual return for our time and energy invested. What has the highest return uh, for that which is invested? So if you want to be really, really effective, you don't do more, but you do less better. A great exercise, all of us, we add to our list, here's what I'm going to do, here's what I'm going to do, here's what I'm going to do. A great exercise is not to just add to your to-do list, but to actually start a to-don't list. And several times a year, I'll sit down with my assistant and I'll say, okay, what are the things, we've taken on a few new things, what are the things we need to add to the to-don't list? What have I done for years that I'm going to delegate or we're just going to stop doing? I like this Louis Giglio quote. He said, whenever you say yes to anything, there is less of you for something else. Make sure your yes is worth the less. In the next episode, we're going to talk about actually my favorite two of the four points. And um, so let me review briefly, and then I'll give you some questions to, um, to talk about with your team. Quick review. If you want to have an amazing marriage, raise strong and grounded children, lead a growing God-honoring organization, you must learn to manage your time wisely. The result of poor time management is well-intentioned leaders who consistently allow the urgent to overwhelm the important. So what are we going to do? We're going to schedule our values. Wise time management doesn't mean you do more, but you do more of what matters most. The difference between the values you embrace and the life you live equals the frustration you experience. We're going to schedule our values. Number two, we're going to say no to many small things, to say yes to a few big things. Just because we could doesn't mean we should. We're not going to say, can we do this, but should we do this? Why? Because the barrier to a meaningful life is not a lack of commitment, but overcommitment. Busyness does not necessarily equal importance, productivity, or meaning in life. Just because we could doesn't mean we should. You have one life, let's invest it in a place that matters most. So, questions, three of them. Number one, what are the things that you value most that you are not doing? What are the things that you value most that you are not doing, and what are you going to do to change it? Think about it. Really, really important. Number two, what do you need to add to your to-don't list? What have you been doing for years and years and years, or, and your life is too busy, now I'm no longer going to do these. Number two, what do you need to add to your to-don't list? Number three, what are the three most important issues that have been crowded out by urgent issues? What are the three most important things that have been crowded out by the urgent things, and what are you going to do about them? Great questions to ask yourself, to ask your team. And again, if this is helpful, it means a lot to me that you would spread the word because when the leader gets better, everyone gets better. Closing thought, be yourself as a leader. Don't copy others, be yourself. Why? Because people would rather follow a leader who is always real than one who is always right. Thanks for joining us for the Craig Rochelle Leadership Podcast. If you'd like to find show notes, questions to lead through a discussion, 
or to find the resources Craig mentions in this episode, just go to www.life.church slash leadership podcast. Or if you have a question or idea for Craig, email it to leadership at life.church. Thanks again for watching and we'll see you next time at the Craig Rochelle Leadership Podcast.